So, game on. This is uh, week two in, in our, um, our game on series, and I'm, I'm glad that you're here, knowing that I was preaching today, so I appreciate that. That's, uh, that's always a plus. Uh, Matt last week covered um, tag, the game of tag, and if you're anything like me, that game is way far outdated for you because um, I'm just not in the shape that I used to be in, right? These kids, we've, we actually played a game called Gargoyle, which is kind of like tag in the dark, which is a terrible idea terrible idea because a lot of things jump up and get you. Um, but man, I was, I'm, I'm really out of shape. I'll just leave it at that. So I like to stay uh, along the lines of, of board games. And so when, when uh, I had the opportunity to, to pick my game, I thought, you know what? I'm going to pick one of my favorite games of all time. And that is Scrabble. Any Scrabble fans in here? Make some noise or make some letters. Scrabble is one of my favorite board games. Uh, likely, it's probably yours too. It was uh, rated as the number two all-time board game in the United States of America, second to only Monopoly. Uh, I am a student pastor, and so my attention span is too short to play Monopoly. Uh, so I just purposely tank that game. So uh, Scrabble is, is more like it. I like, I like Scrabble. Here's a few fun facts about the game. So if you haven't played, we'll all be on the same page. Scrabble was invented by an unemployed New York architect named Alfred Mosher Butts. Don't laugh. He invented the game in an attempt to create a word game that combined anagrams and crosswords uh, that involved luck, chance, and a great deal of skill. Uh, He found, okay, this is crazy to me. He decided on the frequency and distribution of the letter tiles through analyzing the front page of the New York Times. So he read the words, counted how many letters appeared on, on the front page, and in what frequency, and that's how we have the number of tiles in Scrabble. Uh, it's sold in 121 countries, comes in 31 different languages. There are over 150 million copies of Scrabble that have been sold worldwide. I think this one's good. Down the sides of sofas, underneath carpets, eaten by children and pets alike, somewhere in the world there are over 1 million missing Scrabble tiles. There are 30,000 Scrabble games started each hour, so Please, please don't do that online, the online Scrabble. Don't start a game during this hour. Wait until lunch um, so that you can pay attention to my sermon, okay? Uh, second best board game. Oh, here's one. This is, this is for all you competitive people, okay? Um, a new resident at an elderly people's home was rejected from the home on grounds of being incompatible when she confessed that she didn't like or play Scrabble. That's serious, okay? It's serious. And if you're into it, um, you can enter the National Scrabble Championship, which is hosted in the United States uh, once a year. Last year, there were nearly 500 entrants uh, to that competition, okay? And they're playing for more than $50,000 in prizes. Seriously? For Scrabble? Like, what am I doing here, you know? Like, I'm just read the dictionary and play Scrabble. Um, There is a Scrabble board game in one of every three American homes, right? There's two in mine, so if you don't have one, I'll give one to you. What's the object of Scrabble? What's the object of any game, really? To win, right? To win. What is, how do you win at Scrabble? What do you win at Scrabble with? Words, right? Words, and so I think that's a a strong parallel to the Christian life, right? At Scrabble, you're supposed to win with words. In our life, it's important for us to win with words. And I think if anybody is qualified to teach us about that, it's James, the brother of Jesus. He writes in James chapter 3 a powerful discourse on the tongue, which is in the Greek glossa, which means language, okay? So when he says tongue, he's not literally talking about the part of our body. He's talking about what we use that for, communication, language, words, 
okay? And so today we're going to look at words and, and the, the, how they impact our life and the lives of other people through us. And I'll tell you, man, I was really excited and I told Matt, man, Scrabble's going to be great. I can do that. No problem. It's going to be. And then, <laughs> and then the Lord's like, dude, you don't even know what you're getting yourself into. Like, you're so messed up, you don't even know, right? And so that's, that's the beauty about preaching is that, uh, that you get to study the scripture and, and um, just get beat up by the Lord before I get a chance to beat any of you up um, with what it says. And so uh, know that when I preach this to you this morning, this has already impacted my heart. Uh, and I found myself insufficient and relying on the Lord um, and even more so now than ever before. Uh, but this is a tough and convicting passage, uh, and, and, and it teaches us a couple of things on how to win with words. And so we're going to look at two things that we have to realize about our words. Uh, and then at the end, we'll, we'll take a look at what we call our life app. Last week, Matt gave us a life app, Tag Your It, and he encouraged you to go out and, and share your faith with somebody else. And so this week, we'll have a life app that's a little bit different than that, uh, but we'll cover that before we're, before we're done. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand and read scripture, okay? I asked the early service to stand and they just looked at me and didn't do anything and I was like, my words obviously have no weight. We're gonna have to deal with God about that because this is about his word, so good luck. All right, so here it goes. James chapter number three, we'll read verses one through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways and if anyone doesn't stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people uh, who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Father, we love you, and God, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to, to speak from your word, and I pray that it touches hearts this morning, God, in, in the way that it's, it's um, challenged mine. Lord, I pray that you be with us, bless us, and allow us to get something from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can sit down. It's funny how I don't have to tell you to sit down, right? You're like, oh, I'm down, right? Stand up. And like, so James really, really throws some punches in this passage, okay? And, and I think uh, when, we, when we look at it, it's easy to understand this, that words are powerful. And if you like to scribble on paper or doodle or whatever, just you can, you can write that one down, okay? Words are powerful. He says, from the get-go, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Why? Because words are powerful. Words are a powerful thing. And so he's telling teachers, which uh, when, when, you, when you study a passage and you're getting ready to preach, and that's the first, the first thing you're hit with, it's like, 
Maybe we can talk about something else, you know? Like, I don't know, right? You, you have to teach that. And, and God is saying, I'm going to hold you to a greater strictness. But, but the, the, the crazy thing is, is that, that the word teacher there doesn't just mean preacher. See, back in the day, uh, the, the synagogues and the temples were, were open, and it allowed like a, an open-air place. And so it allowed people to come in who, who didn't really have the authority to speak on behalf of the Lord to come in and, and share. And their goal wasn't to connect spiritually, it was to draw an audience. And so they said things that tickled the ears of certain people, um, and they drew an audience, and then they would, they would find um, satisfaction in that. But James is saying, be careful what you say. And he's not talking just about teachers. He's talking about anybody who communicates the truth of God. So if you're a Sunday school teacher, you fall in the category of verse number three. If you're a faithful believer who is walking alongside somebody else and you're discipling them and you're taking them through scripture and you're encouraging them, you fall in the category of verse number one in chapter number three. And so be careful with what you say because words are powerful. Words are powerful. Um, and so he, he tells us that, that it's important for us to know that. And if we can get that down, if we can control our tongue, that's how we know we've arrived, right, in, in God. That's how we know we're a mature believer. He says that, that those of you, uh, for we all stumble in many ways, which is awesome, because I thought that you guys were all perfect, and I was the only one. And if anyone doesn't stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, meaning fully mature in Christ. And so if you have your words down, that's great. Be an example for other people and help us because it is tough. But words are powerful. How did God create the world? He spoke it, right? He spoke it into existence. He said it and it happened, okay? Every, every part of creation, God spoke into existence, he communicated with prophets through his word, who, who spoke words uh, to people to teach them about God. He has given us his word right here, okay, to, to, to read and to apply to our lives. Words are important. God understands the importance of words. We have to as well. We have to understand that words are important and they're, that they're powerful. And so we have to be careful how we use them. You guys ever experienced the power of words? Man, they can change your day, right? Hey, you look nice today. Hey, you look, you're so radiant, right? Anybody ever said that to you? You're so radiant, you look great. Man, that's a good color on you. Wow, the blue really brings out your eyes, right? You ever do that to, to, and, and, and you just have a great, by the end of the day, you're just like, man, I own this thing, you know? What about the other way, right? So like, like seriously, um, you ever heard this one? You ever heard stripes make you look fat? You ever heard that one? If you were here about... 30 minutes, 45 minutes ago, uh, you could have been down here and heard that, right? When you walk up, when I walked up, it was like, hey, I'm not really saying anything, but uh, I might not like your shirt. It kind of makes you look fat. And so I'm like, okay. So I was feeling pretty good this morning in the early service, had some good laughs, and I thought, man, this is going to be a great day. And then the whole fat comment, and, uh, and so now it wheels off right now. Um, but words really do have the power to change your day, right? Have, have you guys ever experienced that? You go to work and, or school and somebody says, are you feeling okay? I mean, I, yeah, I guess. And somebody else, oh, you don't look like you feel good. And by the end of the day, you're at home with a wet rag on your forehead eating chicken noodle soup, <laughs> right? Because the words are powerful and they make us feel ways that we might not have felt before. Uh, and and it's, it can impact our day in really big ways. Also, it can impact your entire life, right? It can change the course of your life. Maybe you guys have asked these words uh, in this order. 
will you marry me? The response, yes, and then I do. Yeah, what a game changer, right? I mean, I wouldn't change it for the world. My wife back there, it's like doing this, right? Uh, powerful words, changes the course of my life, um, but, but really awesome, awesome words. Uh, and then these really uh, like put a lump in my throat, butterflies in my stomach. And I've heard this phrase twice, it's a girl. <laughs> and that'll take care of business, right? That'll change things. Matter of fact, yesterday we, we had a family day in, in Weatherford and um, we're, we're spending time together, just got away from everything and uh, getting ready to come home. And my wife said, can we just, can we eat Taco Bueno? Why anybody would ever beg for Taco Bueno, I have no idea. However, I did learn it. It's the number one Mexican restaurant in America, which is also beyond me. And so I agree, and we're pulling out of the parking lot, and we're fixing to hang a right to go to Taco Bueno there in Weatherford. And my daughter, Berkeley, in the back seat, you guys saw a video of her a couple weeks ago. And she sees Chick-fil-A, her second favorite place to eat. And she lights up, Daddy, Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A. And I said, I'm sorry, baby, we're going to Taco Bueno. We're not going to eat Chick-fil-A today. No, and I mean just melted down and was so upset and heartbroken that she did not get Chick-fil-A. And so naturally what I did, I just and got her some chicken nuggets. So you call that weak parenting? I call that words changing the course of my day. But it's, it's important for us to realize the power of words. James gives a couple examples of, of the power of tongue or words or our speech. Um, and, and he lets us know that oftentimes the little leads the big. How many of you guys have ever ridden a horse? That's what he, he likens it to here. How many of you have ever ridden a horse? Anybody? One time I've ridden a horse, and there it was. Majestic. I mean, beautiful, right? Just muscles, and it was glistening, and then you hear, right, the, the air comes out of its nose, and it's just ready to gallop. And so I'm sitting there in the saddle, you know, hands on the reins, and I'm sitting with my you know, cowboy hat on, and I take off to the field, shooting my six shooters, right? And I'm just going, and dust flying behind me, somebody trying to catch, you know, and um, at least that's how it was in my imagination. Uh, it, was, it was more, more kind of like, like this. Right. And so a 50-year-old lady has the reins leading me around the backyard, right? Like, <laughs> like I'm on a little kid ride, um, but I will say I could have led the horse if I just would have manned up a little bit, um, but it just, it wasn't happening. But it's marvelous to me that, that even the size of, of that animal, and you could probably uh, agree, those of you who have ridden a horse, can be controlled just by pulling on the reins. And it's because of the bit in the mouth. Massive animal, right? Huge animal, controlled by a bit somewhere around that big, okay? In, in comparison to the entire animal, something minuscule. And so when, when, we, when we look, that's what James says. He says that if we put bits in the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. And then he talks about ships, like on the ocean, right? You guys, uh, anybody aircraft carrier fans? I don't know much about them. I was reading a little bit. I'm sure we have some people who know a lot more about it than me. But, but I, I stumbled upon one, the USS Enterprise. I'm just kidding. That's uh, Star Trek, right? U.S. Enterprise, that's uh, also an aircraft carrier. Uh, but the Eisenhower, the USS Eisenhower, it's approximately 1,100 feet long, 1,100 feet long. It can hold about 6,000 people. That's like Eastland plus some, okay? So that's a lot of people on that, on that aircraft carrier. 80 military aircrafts, 90 tons of pure steel before you put anything else on there, okay? The rudder is what controls the ship. It's what moves it one way or the other. The rudder is 22 feet wide. 
for an 1,100-foot ship. I'm, you know, this is about words, and, and so I didn't do anything with numbers, but I think that's about like 2%, okay? 1% or 2%, or I, I don't know, but that's, that's a very small size of the entire ship, but it's controlled, and, and it controls where that ship ends up. Man, words are powerful. They're little, but they can have a tremendous impact on those we speak them to. Any of you students know anything about the Gettysburg Address? Can somebody quote it for me? Nobody wants to show off? I hear some people saying it. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation. Can see, I'm not going to say the whole thing. But the, the Gettysburg Address was, was ten sentences from Abraham, Abraham Lincoln. And it came on the battlefield of Gettysburg uh, where 15,000 soldiers lost their life in, in the American Civil War. Something like that. Maybe more. I don't remember. Maybe there's an extra zero in there. Either way. And, and at that point in the war, the, the North was losing by all accounts. Okay? And Abraham Lincoln goes on the battlefield, dedicates that as a cemetery to those people who lost their lives there. The North that was the spark they needed, turned around and won the war. Those 10 sentences, little words in the grand scheme of things, turned around and made a huge impact. Proverbs 18.21 says this, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The words that we speak literally can control death and life. And I'm not saying like we can breathe life into something. I'm saying that our words are powerful. Our words are powerful. And man, when, when I was studying for this and, and, and read that verse, it led me to think about um, this issue, cyberbullying. Anybody familiar with that? I'm sure students down here and they're probably laughing like, oh, you sound like such an old man. Uh, but it, it, it's a real life thing. The fact that there are some people who are teenagers and some people who are adults who are equally as irresponsible and they write things online for other people, about other people for them to see. And there's a list about this long of, of people who couldn't handle those words. That literally those words spoke death into those people when they took their lives. And it altered obviously their life. It altered their family's lives. It altered the people who spoke them. Death and life are in the power of of the tongue. They're in the uh, power of the tongue. Words are powerful. And they're also, they can be used for good things and and making a good impact, but man, they're dangerous. They are dangerous. If you're doodling on a piece of paper, you can write that down too. Words are dangerous. James says um, in verse eight, no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. And here's how we arm ourselves to handle it. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. You guys ever say that? Well, the fact that you said that means that words have already hurt you, so you're already out of it there. But that's how, we, that's how we're equipped to handle it, right? We equip ourselves with, with little witty comebacks like that, which aren't really witty. And my favorite was, I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say, bounce off me and sticks to you. That was my favorite fifth grade line, man. And I got so many people with that. Um, but seriously, are we supposed to believe those? Like, is that how we handle these things? Late last month, a couple of hikers are hiking through the, and pardon me, the Garapada State Park in Los Padres National Forest in the California Bay Area. And they're hiking, and nobody really knows 
the circumstances or, or how it happened, but they do know that those hikers set out a two-by-two two campfire, probably, you know, somewhere, I don't know, maybe that's three, somewhere around here, okay? A two-foot-by-two-foot two campfire. They were irresponsible with the way they lit and maintained that fire. They walked off, they left it, and overnight it burned 2,000 acres. And you can look up on, online, it's actually... Um, currently, I don't remember what the name of, of the wildfire is, but, but it is still going. That happened on June, July 22nd. And so it went from 2,000 to 10,000 a couple days later, and now it's consumed over 83,000 acres um, of national forest and, and land. Destroyed over 66 buildings, killed a firefighter, all because somebody was irresponsible with the way that they handled fire. And you know what, guys? I don't think it's a coincidence that James says that's how our tongue is. Those people didn't set out to destroy life and wildlife and buildings and structure. Okay, that, that, that wasn't their goal. Their goal was probably, man, I'm cold, or man, I'm hungry, we need to warm something. And, and they, they used fire inappropriately. And man, the devastation that came forth is un, unimaginable. They say that the fire won't be contained until September the 30th. Okay. That's over a month from now. So, so th- th- this, this havoc has been wreaked because somebody was irresponsible with their fire. Man, how much havoc do we cause because we're irresponsible with our words? You know, we, we say, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just concerned for them. I just want, no, you're not. You're insecure about yourself. And so you're projecting something on somebody else. And while you may not think it's a big deal, Man, I've seen relationships destroyed. I've seen marriages break up. I've seen friendships. I, don't, I have friends in my life that I, that I would count as friends that I don't have anymore because of words that have been said over stupid things. Be careful. Don't, don't start a fire that you can't contain. Don't start a fire that you can't contain. The, the tongue is dangerous. Our words are dangerous. Anybody watch the Olympics? Any Olympic fans, right? So obviously, if you watch the Olympics, it's all over, even just the mainstream media about uh, Ryan Lochte. Man, what an icon, <laughs> right? What a role model. Um, bottom line is, if, if you haven't watched it, the dude got really drunk after winning a gold medal, all right? And he is in a country where they speak a foreign language. He doesn't know how to speak. Um, and he did some really stupid things and was asked to fix those things. Well, um, he goes back and finds the first media outlet he can find. I think it was like TMZ or something, so something reputable, you know, um, and just totally blasts the, the, uh, the, the nation of, or the city of Rio, their police, and uh, says that, that uh, somebody dressed as police, robbed him, put a gun to his head, and it was at that moment he sat down and said, okay, you can take all my money. So he started a whirlwind over there because Rio had already been, um, had been kind of thrown under the bus for the, the concerns about the health of the athletes and safety of, of people. Um, and, and so then he starts this and he's just trying to, you know, trying to cover his tracks, right? And, and he tells this guy, and I think the camera was like a handheld camera, so it wasn't anything big. And um, it turns into a mess. So good old swimmer, uh, turns into a track star, runs, jumps on a plane, comes back to America, leaves his team there. Um, and, and so what, what he does in his irresponsible language now puts somebody else in a position. And, and so his teammates were all arrested in Rio. And they said, you know what? You lied to us. Your words got out of hand. And guess what? We'll let you go if you donate $11,000 to a charity of our choice. Not much of a donation. 
And so they gave him his passport back after he paid, you know, 11000 all while Ryan Lochte is sitting there shining his gold medal. Um, but, but that's how words can get away from us. And I'm sure he was thinking, man, I had too much to drink. I don't want people to think that. I'm, I'm ashamed of my actions, and I'm going to say what I can to make sure I cover my tracks. But man, it found him out, and it caused a fire because he was irresponsible with his words. It's also, James says that, that uh, the tongue cannot be tamed. We can't tame uh, our speech. I was watching, uh, watching, I was looking at Facebook the other day, and it was on my own time, okay, so don't like, you know, I do more than just Facebook, all right? Um, but I'm looking at Facebook and, and, you know, scrolling through on my phone, and sometimes those videos start playing automatically, and you're like, oh my gosh, I saw this thing, and I'm thinking, what are they putting on Facebook these days? And so there's this dude, and he's getting mauled by a bear, and like rolling around in the yard, and the bear's got his, his head in his mouth, and he's like, and then I'm like, wait a minute, he's laughing. And he just he gets up and he slaps the bear on the face, and the bear slaps him back and pushes him back. And come to find out, the dude had trained this bear. And I'm thinking, what? That's insane. That is insane. First of all, he's brave. We went to Riodosa. If you guys have ever been, they do this thing where they take stumps of wood and they carve out little bears. And so the students, um, a really nice sentimental thing, they, they gathered money um, together, which likely came from your pockets, uh, parents. Um, and they bought... Myself and my wife and Matt and Cody, they bought us a, a little bear. And so I've got that thing in my office, and it's just a nice token, a nice, um, nice reminder of, of how wonderful our students are. Um, but I, every once in a while, I'll look out of the corner of my eye to make sure it's not real and going to attack me. You know, sometimes I just have that, have that fear. Um, I can't even tame a wooden bear, and that dude's rolling around in the yard, all right, with, with his. Um, but but it's, it goes to show that man can pretty much do anything like that that's amazing. Taming a bear I mean, we have water parks, right, or, or SeaWorld, right? You go down to SeaWorld, and you can sit there, and you can watch a killer whale, like killer whale, jump up and hit a little beach ball and high-five their little trainer, and you eat your popcorn with a little rain poncho on, and ah, it's great, right? It is amazing, but James says we can't tame our tongue. We can't, up to ourselves, control what comes out of our mouth. We can't control what comes out of our mouth. Sometimes it's unintentional. Sometimes the, the things we try to cover up our sins or we try to do things um, to make us in right standing with other people and it blazes out of control and it causes destruction and pain and heartache. Other times it, it's like, like this. James says that it is, the tongue is filled with poison. The thing about poison is it kills from the inside out. And I've never seen a never heard of a rattlesnake accidentally striking somebody. And his intent to strike is to inject that venom into that person in order to kill them or at least make them sick and run away, right? And man, that's how we use our words sometimes. We know exactly what it takes to interject something in that exact situation to cause pain and heartache and, and you know, to, to cause death. I think the problem is because we have such a high view of ourselves, that's why we do that. Oh, man. You know, we, we, we put a lot of value in, oh, man, I'm, I'm, a great, I'm a great teacher. I'm sure you are. <laughs> Probably are. But when somebody else comes in and they say, man, that's, that's a great teacher, and they threaten your status of being the best teacher on campus or the best student in class, what do we do? Pfft, you really think they're going to be able to teach that way all year long? That's cute. <laughs> Right, those kids are going to eat them up and spit them out, right? Chew them up and spit them out, whatever. 
you're a great, you know, I'm a great student. I'm, I'm really smart. I'm the valedictorian. I'm the whatever. Braxton, I'm not talking about you, man. I'm, this is just generalized, okay? So if you fit in that stereotype, I'm really sorry, bro. But here's the deal. There's always going to be somebody better. Braxton, there's, there is somebody smarter than you. I don't know where he is, all right, or she, uh, but there's going to be somebody smarter than you. There's going to be somebody who does your job better than you do. And so our choices are to, to, to allow the tongue, to allow our words to do what they're naturally there to do, to, to poison those people, to make yourself feel better about who you are. But you know what? That, that's not right, okay? And I'm sure we could all be on the same page because we're at church and this is like Sunday school answer time where everybody would say, Jesus, all at the same time, right? And so we can, we can all agree that that's wrong, right? And James, uh, throughout his book, says, this is how you're supposed to be and this is how you are. This is how you're supposed to be and this is how you are. And, and not too many times does he say, this is how you do to fix it. This is what you do, okay? And this is one of those times. Here's how James uh, ends this passage. He says, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing my brothers. These things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. It's like, yeah, you're right. Now, how do I fix it? Come on, man. And I think he, he's said he ended that portion of scripture the way he did because he drew exactly from what Jesus talked about. So we're going to look in, in Luke chapter number six for our life app this week. Words are powerful. Words are dangerous. And we can't tame our tongue. But Jesus can. Praise the Lord, Jesus can. So in Luke chapter 6, we'll, we'll get there in, in just a second, but uh, one thing that, that I heard a lot growing up was, watch your mouth. Matter of fact, I heard that this week um, from some people, and, and namely my wife, she likes to say that. Um, when I say stupid stuff, and trust me, there is an unending supply of that, I promise. Watch your mouth, watch your mouth, watch what you say. But let me tell you something, if you watch your mouth, what you're going to see is fire and you're gonna see poison, and you're gonna see things that if you're not lined up with God that tear down and destroy and break relationships, here's what it should be. Watch your heart. Watch your heart. Here's what Jesus says. He speaks um, in, or we have his words here in, in Luke chapter six, verses 43, 44, and 45. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Kind of the same thing that James was saying. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What an insight, okay? First of all, understand that, that outside of, of God and outside of of Jesus and his sacrifice for us, none of us are good, okay? Sure, we can do good things and we can, you know, have, you know, humanitarian efforts and acts and, and all that, and that's great, but, but Christ and his blood that was shed for us is what makes us good for God. There was nobody righteous, no, not one, until Jesus came on the cross, shed his blood for us, and made us in right standing with God. And so if we truly are in right standing with God, if we're, if we're his children, we're good. He makes us good. And if we're of his tree, so to speak, then we should produce good fruit. And he tells us, Jesus says that where your heart is, that's what will overflow out of your mouth. 
We don't need new tongues, okay? We don't need new words. We need new hearts. We need our hearts changed by the gospel in order for our speech to be salted with grace, love, hope, and joy. Some of us can't speak anything besides angry words. It's probably because you have anger deep-seated in your heart. And I'm sure if I was in front of a counselor, he could shred me to pieces, but you guys don't pay me enough, so I can't go to counseling. Bless you. I have to rely on Matt to tell me what's wrong, and he never shuts up about that. I'm like, dude, I get it. I'm not like you, okay? But the thing is, we harbor hard feelings and jealousy and anger and bitterness, and sometimes we harbor bitterness at God because we don't like the situation that he's put us in, and sometimes we harbor bitterness at somebody else that doesn't even know we're mad at him. Right? We're just wasting, you're just wasting energy, okay? They don't care. <laughs> they don't care like you do. But it impacts the way that we live and it impacts the way that we speak to people. And it prevents us from being on the same page with God and from speaking words of life into their life. Dude, this was a hard week for me, okay? I am like super sarcastic and you can ask the kids and that's probably why every time I come around them, they try to cut me with words because they, they you know, monkey see, monkey do kind of thing. And so I apologize for being so sarcastic and I expect you guys to not treat me like that ever again. <laughs> but man, sometimes that sarcasm is, is a little bit deeper than that. And sometimes I'm, I'm stupid and I speak out of anger and I let my short temper um, get the best of me sometimes. And if we're not careful, if, if our heart is not where it needs to be, that happens too frequently. And I'm being transparent with you guys. My heart is not always where it needs to be. Heart is not always where it needs to be because here's what scripture says. James, back in James 3, says this, with our mouth or with our words, we bless our Lord and Father. And with those same words, with the same language, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. That's a tough one to think about, right? We put on our church face and we come here and we... we you know, hold our hands up and worship, some of you who aren't Baptist anyways, um, and, and we worship God with our lips, and we sing songs about him, and we say amen um, when, when somebody has a good point, which not very frequently today. Um, but with, those, with that same mouth, here we're good, we leave. Did you see, did you see who was at church today? Well, they, were, they really need it. <laughs> they need, oh man, did you see what they were wearing? Did you hear what happened? to them last week, right? And so those words that bless God curse our fellow brothers, our fellow sisters, people who are made in the image of God, people who are beautiful to him. Listen, when our heart is in the right place, we don't have to worry about cutting other people down. We don't have to worry about holding our image up, okay? But we can celebrate victories in the lives of other believers. We can truly be a family. We can truly be the family of God when our heart is in the right place. We can speak words of life, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Are you short? Not in stature, but with your words. Uh, sarcastic, rude, temperamental. Maybe it's because you need to dig into your heart. Let God dig into your heart. Dealing with anger. Who's, who's your savior? And we'll quit. I'll quit, I promise. Are your friends? Do you value, is, is your savior yourself? Are you the best friend that you could ever be? You're going to let somebody down. Is your savior the fact that you're a great parent and that you don't turn your car around to go get your kids chicken nuggets? All right, get your heart right, man, before you judge me, okay? Maybe it's, it's your spouse and you put so much, um, so much pressure on them to be who you think they should be. They'll fail you, unless you're married to my wife. She never fails. She's always great. 
there are better friends, better parents, there are people better at your job than you are. Don't waste your time with that stuff. Don't believe what other people say about you. Don't waste your time holding yourself higher than you need to be. If you do, you'll always have to use your words in hurtful ways to speak death instead of life. Listen, my prayer for you today is to watch your heart. That's your life app this week. Watch your heart. Watch your heart. Look at what God can do in your heart. Because the bottom line is this, words are powerful. The words that you speak can change the course of somebody's life when it boils down to it. They have the power of life and death. The little leads the big. Words are dangerous, okay? They're dangerous. The tongue can't be tamed by man, only by God. It's a roaring fire ready to damage and destroy anybody that comes in its path. Watch your heart. Man, Jesus can fix it. Jesus can fix anything. Put your heart in him. If you've never began that relationship, I pray today is the day that you start a relationship with Jesus. If you're far away and you put on the church face every week, man, today it's not too late. You can't outrun God's grace. Matt said that last week. Tag, you're it. You can't outrun God's grace. Respond to him today. If there's anger in your heart, man, fix it. All you gotta do is come up here and, and lay it at the altar. Let God deal with you. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for what you do for us. I thank you for, for the book of James and, and for uh, the words that he wrote. Man, they're so painful to read and so painful to apply to our lives. And I struggle. I, I, so many times, you know, my personality, I, I say things before thinking and it gets me in trouble sometimes. And, and I pray that... that um, that's not the case going forward, God. And, and I know there are people in here who would say the same thing. There are people who are struggling with anger and resentment towards somebody who has wronged them years ago, or maybe even yesterday. And the only words that come out of our mouth are words of anger and judgment. And God, that's, that's not what it's supposed to be. That's what James said. It's not supposed to be that way. So God, I pray that you work in our hearts this morning that we would be willing and able to lay those things down at your feet. We know that if we can watch our heart line up with you, our words turn from a dangerous poison and speaking death to words that can direct people to life. So I pray for that this morning. I pray that people would be filled with the words of life to be able to speak those to people around them, especially this week, going back to school. God, thank you for this morning. Thanks for all that you do for us. I pray now that you work in and through us as we respond to you this morning in Jesus' name.